and lead us not. Well, you can take out your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 7. Open scripture so you can follow along or listen carefully. And we're going to read um, the first part of Mark chapter 7. We're going to read it in a couple different sections, like I I do sometimes. Um, We're only going to go up to verse 13 for tonight. And let me just uh, uh, give the introduction, and then we'll we'll read it. Um, So when you think about traditions, there are different kinds of traditions. Or, Or you might think of that word tradition has a few senses or nuances to it. For example, if you open Christmas presents on Christmas Eve and you have homemade pizza and grandma's award-winning Christmas cookies, that's a family tradition. Or if your hometown has a 4th of July parade with a high school marching band leading the way, that's a a city tradition. And even in uh, church, we have little traditions, smaller ones, you might say. Like one of our traditions is we have prayer meeting on the first Wednesday of the month. Or another small tradition in our our church um, life is that we have a Christmas party on the first or second Sunday of December every year, and and some things like that. We have smaller um, traditions even in our church family. And when you think about traditions, they're not necessarily bad. You, You know that, right? That typically, you know, traditions aren't horrible. And even in the, when it comes to the Christian faith, Paul even tells us in the New Testament to stand firm and hold to the traditions you were taught by us. So the apostles taught these traditions, and the Christian's responsibility and the church's responsibility is to hold fast to those apostolic traditions. That's what we do as Christians. It's a good thing, those apostolic traditions that we find in Scripture that were taught there. But as with other things, sometimes we humans wreck traditions and mess it all up, especially in religion. People make their own traditions that mutate and become like God's law to them, and it just goes downhill from there. And this is nothing new. People have been doing this for a long, long time. And this takes us back to Jesus' day. In the story we're going to read in just a moment, he has a sharp confrontation with some men who were traditionalists with a capital T. And there's a sharp confrontation. So there's an important lesson tonight in this story about tradition, God's word, legalism. And so J.C. Ryle said, what we're going to read in a moment is one of those scriptures which ought to be frequently and diligently studied by all who desire the prosperity of the Church of Christ. It's a very important text. So let's pray and ask God's blessing as we read and hear it preached. Lord, please open our hearts to your word. And we pray that we would understand its truth, that we would believe it, that we would put it in practice. In Christ's name, amen. So first of all, we'll read verses 1 through 5 of chapter 7. Now, when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, 
Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? So that's how far we'll read for now. Keep your Bibles open. So that, this is kind of the background of the story that we're, we're getting in. Um, this episode involves the Jewish Pharisees, whom we've already met. They were Jewish leaders of the day. And in this company of the Pharisees, there are some scribes who came from Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem, remember, was the Jewish headquarters. So the scribes are probably coming from Jerusalem, kind of to check out Jesus once again. Um, they're, they're suspicious of his teaching, so they're there kind of on official business to see what this man Jesus is teaching. Now, Mark tells us that many Jews, scribes and Pharisees and Jews, had religious traditions. Did you catch that? What, what we just read? Now, traditions are habits, in this context, are habits that have to do with religious beliefs and practices handed down from Moses, kind of. So Mark gives us a few of these religious rituals that have to do with purity. So did you, you heard that, right? They, these Jews and Pharisees and scribes don't eat unless they wash their hands a certain way. When they come in from the store and the market, they don't eat until they rinse their hands. And they have other rinsing or washing uh, traditions like cups and pitchers and pots and kettles. They have all kinds of washing rituals or traditions. Now, if you would just stop there, you might think, well, we kind of do that. If we're at the store, we come home and we wash our hands, and sometimes we wash our pots and pans. But when we do it, it has to do with hygiene. Just to stay clean, because we don't want any germs that you might get at the store, it has to do with hygiene for us. But that's not why the Jewish people long ago would have all these washings. Why would they have all these purity washings? Well, they had it for religious reasons. They, they, thought, they taught that there were impure things out there, and God said you have to be pure and holy, so if you come into contact with impure and unholy things, you've got to wash yourself to stay pure. Then you can be holy and pure again. So one of the main things the Pharisees and scribes emphasized was maintaining ritual purity. That's why they did all these washings. Now a question would be, when they talk about the washings of hands and cups and such, if you did a deep dive in the Old Testament, would you find these laws there? No, you wouldn't. Not exactly. The Old Testament does not say anywhere that, that all people of God must rinse their hands before eating to stay ceremonially clean. The priests had some washing rituals in the Old Testament, but not all Israelites. But the scribes and the Pharisees, or actually the older Jewish teachers before the scribes and Pharisees, didn't just make up these washing laws and pull them up out of, out of thin air. There are some purity laws in the Old Testament that you know of, right? If you touch a dead body or dead animal, you'd have to do some kind of a ritual to get clean. A woman was unclean after having a child, so she'd have to go through a purity ritual. And, and so on. So there are some purity rituals in the Old Testament, but not strictly washing of hands for purity reasons. But what happened was that the Jews, before the scribes and the Pharisees, their, the Jewish fathers, expanded and stretched the Old Testament purity laws and started including things like hands and containers. So they took it kind of from the Old Testament, but they stretched it and said, well, you have to purify your hands and your containers and your couch because you don't want to get impure by all those Gentile uh, impurities out there. 
You know, when you go out in the marketplace, you might, might be by a Gentile, so you have to purify yourself and rinse yourself. So that's kind of where the Pharisees and scribes got this. The, the old Jewish fathers kind of expanded some of the Old Testament rules and said, now you have to wash your hands and stay pure that way. But Mark also tells us um, that they had many other traditions in verse 4. So we're just getting a little snapshot. You know, Mark would have to take a long time to tell us all the Jewish traditions that they had. But we're just getting a snapshot. So now you know why the scribes and the Pharisees see Jesus' disciples um, eating without washing their hands. That's verse uh, 5. Why do your disciples not follow the tradition of the Jewish elders and eat with unclean hands? What are they doing? They're not living like pure Jews. And maybe they're implying, Jesus, why didn't you teach them the traditions of the elders and tell your disciples to wash their hands before they eat to stay pure? Now, is this an innocent questions or an innocent question from the scribes and Pharisees? No, they're not like serious. We we want an answer. We're, we're very curious. They're there to investigate Jesus, and they're they're kind of in critical condemning type of uh, attitudes. Remember, in Mark's gospel already, the Pharisees and the scribes had head-butted, or, you know, um, butted with Jesus' teaching before, and they said, why do your disciples break the Sabbath by picking grain on it? Why do you eat with sinners and tax collectors? Uh, why do you heal a man on the Sabbath? You cast out demons by the prince of demons. Remember the conflict already. So the conflict between the Pharisees and scribes and Jesus is building up. So they're asking this question because they kind of want to trap Jesus. Now, we're going to read the next bit in a second, but I wonder why the disciples actually didn't rinse their hands like some of the Jews did. Maybe Jesus didn't tell them that. Or maybe Jesus told them, you don't have to rinse your hands. That's a you know, tradition that we don't have to follow. I'm not sure, but they weren't washing their hands. All right, well, let's read the next part, verses 6 through 8. This is Jesus' response. And he said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. So keep your Bibles open. We'll pick that up in a moment. So Jesus responds to their critical question with a very sharp and cutting answer. Hypocrites. That's not a nice term at all. That's a very offensive term in the religious community. Now, do you know what a hypocrite is? I think an easy way to remember hypocrite is like a pretender. Someone who pretends to be something he's not. It's kind of like, you know, if a politician was um, running around here for, uh, you know, a local office, and he kept saying, we've got to buy local. You guys have got to buy local. We need to support our local businesses. We need to buy gas here. We need to buy groceries here. We need to buy our clothes here. We need to buy local. But then that politician never did it himself. He's always buying stuff online or going to the cities to buy stuff. He's not buying local. He would be a hypocrite. Because he's saying one thing and doing something else. He's a a pretender. So when Jesus uses the term hypocrite here, it's in a religious sense of the term. You act religious and good and pious, but you're actually not. 
That's what Jesus is saying to them. You talk all nice about God, and you might know lots of things about God, but it's only outward. And in reality, you don't even know him. So a hypocrite has like this superficial religious devotion. It's all on the surface. It's not in the heart. One example of a hypocrite, I think, in religious context today, a church context, let's say a guy comes to church twice on Sunday. He, he always has this you know, big Bible that he likes to kind of show off to people that he's carrying, and he acts so nice, and he, he has all this good God talk. But when he goes with his friends on, on Friday night and Saturday night, he acts and talks like an unbeliever. You wouldn't even guess he's a Christian by the way he acts. That's a hypocrite. Pretender. And so that's what Jesus is saying here. You, you Pharisees and scribes are hypocrites. And he says, Isaiah prophesied of you rightly. This is Isaiah 29, if you read it later. And by the way, Jesus, this is interesting how Jesus is interpreting the Old Testament. So back in Isaiah's day, Isaiah was speaking about the Israelites then, around whatever, 700 B.C. But Jesus says that also applies to you Pharisees and scribes today. Isaiah was speaking about you hypocrites here today. And so he says, then he goes on to quote Isaiah and he says, These people honor me with their lips, but their heart's far from me. So once again, they speak very religiously. They use a lot of God talk. But they don't really love God. Their heart's far from God. If you were by the Pharisees or this kind of a hypocrite, they could probably talk all day about God's laws and about doctrines in the Bible. But their hearts do not adore God or believe him. You hypocrites, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. There's names for this. It's called false piety or formalism, where you just go through the forms, but your heart's not in it. But Jesus goes on and quotes Isaiah and says, In vain these people worship me, that's God speaking, in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So another part of the Pharisees and scribes, hypocrites, has to do with their worship and commandments. Basically, Jesus is saying that they teach that their commandments that they made up are God's doctrines. The commandments they made up are God's doctrines. And you know what that does? Jesus says it makes their um, worship worthless, vain, meaningless, empty. And then Jesus explains it a little more. He says, you, you let go of the commandment of God. This is verse 8. You let go of the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of man. So that's what the Pharisees and scribes are doing. They're holding tight to their traditions like the washing of hands and they're putting them next to God's commandments, maybe as being equal to God's commandments. And Jesus says, because you're doing that, first of all, your devotion is worthless. Your worship is empty. And secondly, you're actually abandoning God's law. For example, the Pharisees and scribes said, you must rinse your hands after coming from the marketplace if you want to be pure before God. They taught that as if it was God's commandment. And they did the same thing with many other commands, it says. And because they do this, Jesus tells them that their worship and devotion is useless, fruitless, worthless. 
And he tells them they're actually ignoring God's commands. It's hard for us on a Sunday night sitting here, maybe tired from a long day, it's hard for us to understand how devastating this critique Jesus is giving to the Pharisees. He's demolishing, I mean really, Jesus is demolishing the Pharisees and scribes' views of piety and devotion to God. He's not just saying, you, he's not just saying, you Pharisees have a couple of things wrong, you've got to tweak a few things here and there and you'll be good. He's saying that your whole system of religion is fundamentally flawed at the core. That's a sharp critique. They're hypocrites. But Jesus is not done yet. Let's read the last part, 9 through 13. And he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, If a man tells his father or his mother whatever you would have gained from me as korban, that is, given to God. Then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father and mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And many such things you do. So that's how far we'll read. So, so Jesus keeps digging here. He keeps pushing them with these sharp critiques that are rocking the core of their religion. And he says, basically, um, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandments. I think there's like sarcasm here. You're really good at being really bad, but that's nothing to be proud of. You're really good at rejecting God's law so you can validate your own traditions. You're not only so-called experts in the law, you're experts at sidestepping God's law and, and rejecting the commandment of God. So again, this is a deep critique. You're rejecting God's commandments, throwing them aside, to hold on to your own commandments. And then Jesus gives an example. Um, so verse 10, it, it's kind of tougher to understand there, this whole korban thing. But just remember, Jesus gives them a critique about how they hold on to their traditions and throw away God's commands. And then he says, it's kind of like he says, for example, Moses said, honor your father and your mother, right? Fifth commandment. That's very clear in the Old Testament. If you revile your father and mother, you must surely die. That's Old Covenant teaching, Jesus is saying. That's what they did back then. That's very clear in the Old Covenant scriptures. That's what Moses said. That's God's commands. But, in verse 11, so there's a contrast here. But you Pharisees say, this is what you guys say, if a man tells his father or mother, whatever you would have gained from me is korban, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother. So what Jesus is saying here is um, that the Pharisees, or the ancient Jewish fathers of the Pharisees, made this rule that if a person wants to give something to God, that's what korban means in Hebrew, then they don't have to give it to their parents. So let's say, you know, whatever, making up a story, you're 25 years old, and you have some money, and you want to give it to God or to the temple or whatever, you declare it korban. And the Pharisees and the scribes, their tradition say, if you did that, then you don't have to support your parents with that money. So Jesus says, essentially what you're doing by making that law is you're voiding the fifth commandment. And you're telling people they don't have to honor their parents 
So, so that's the, the case study that Jesus uses. And he sharply rebukes them for that. And that's why he says, you make void the word of God, in verse 13, by the tradition you've handed down. When you have this tradition about giving your money to Korban and not helping your parents, you actually cancel the word of God. It's like you're throwing out the fifth commandment. So that's how Jesus is critiquing them. You invalidate God's word by holding on to your traditions. You can't just set aside the command to honor your parents by making up some tradition where you don't have to honor your parents. And then again, he says, and many such things you do. This is just one example of many. You have more traditions that makes God's word void. So when we think about this, uh, this is probably partly why Jesus had compassion on the crowd earlier, because they didn't have any good shepherds, right? These are wolves teaching this kind of stuff, teaching people to go away from God's law and, and hold on to the traditions of men. The Pharisees and scribes are not good shepherds. So uh, again, when we think about this story, I, I want you to think about this, meditate on it this week. How much of a bomb that Jesus drops on the fortress of the Pharisees and scribes' religion? I mean, they got it all wrong because they elevated their traditions and commands, making them equal with God. And Jesus said that shows that their religion and piety is false. They're hypocrites, their worship is vain, and their hearts are far from God. That's a deep critique. So what does this text do for us? And we did some work in the text, and maybe I'll look at it a little bit more next week. I'm not sure. I mean, Jesus goes on a little bit more, so we'll probably dig in a little deeper. But there's a couple things that we can take away from this text. I mean, I think there's a warning against hypocrisy. It's a warning against hypocrisy. I mean, this is a hard truth, but there are some hypocrites even in good Christian churches. You know what that means? There are some hypocrites in good Christian churches. I'm not saying we should go on a hypocrite hunt because we don't know people's hearts. We don't want to be hypocrite hunters. That's not a good thing. That's not our job. But it's true that even in good Christian churches, there are hypocrites, people who say they're believers and pretend to be Christians. But they're not, and their hearts are far from God. And so, you know, I, I, I don't know people's hearts, and it's not easy, you know, to preach this. And, and I don't know your hearts, of course, but God does, and he can see right through it. So if you're pretending to be a believer, you can fool other people, but you can't fool God. So if this is speaking to you tonight, I mean, you need to bring that to the Lord. And ask him to change your hypocritical heart. But you know, even for you good and true Christians who have true faith, and, and you know, uh, Christians who have been following the Lord for a while, sometimes we can even stumble into hypocrisy. If you believe in Christ for real, I mean, or, you know, if I, I believe in Christ for real, I do, but sometimes I can act hypocritical. You know how Christians can be hypocritical some hypocritical sometime. A Christian will say, Ah, that guy always wears flip flops to church. What is he doing? But the person who's criticizing 
only comes to church once a month. <laughs> you know what I mean? So we can be very critical and, and um, uh, hypocritical. So we all need to guard against hypocrisy. Even if we're not full-blown Pharisees, we, we need to guard against hypocrisy and make sure that our hearts are right with God and that we're not just pretending to be something we're not. J.C. Ryle put it this way. He said, let us not be content to take our bodies to church while we leave our hearts at home. Now, I think there's also a warning. So there's a warning against hypocrisy, but there's also a warning against elevating tradition that's not clearly found in Scripture, Right? That's what the Pharisees did. They elevated their traditions that weren't clearly found in Scripture, and it led to this rebuke by Jesus. And, you know, here at at our church, at this church, um, we try to keep biblical teaching and tradition central here. You know, of course, we're not perfect. I always say that, right? But we do try to worship God in the way he commands in his word, just simply following the word the best that we can. And that's why in, in this church family, we don't make extra rules up or add rules to Scripture's teaching. When we have our session meetings, we're not trying to get all these little minute rules that we want people to abide by. We don't have rules like men have to wear ties to church and women have to wear dresses. Or you can only approve, use our approved translation of the Bible. Or you can only read Christian books that I approve. We, we don't want to make rules like that. Because they're not in Scripture. And what happens is traditions get elevated like that and we become a whole bunch of Pharisees. That's legalism. And it's destructive to the church and Christian life. So here as a church family, we've got to uh, um, keep from elevating tradition. That's not clearly found in Scripture. But you know what? We all have a little Pharisee in us sometimes too. Every... Many Christians struggle with legalism. You, you can be a true Christian and still struggle with legalism because sometimes we do start to elevate our preferences or traditions a little bit too high and we get critical of other people who don't do the same thing. So we've got to guard against this personally in our own hearts too. As a Reformed church, right? We're a Reformation church. We always want to be reforming according to the word and making sure we're following scripture best we can and keep the cancer of legalism out. J.I. Packer said, Legalism starves our souls while feeds feeding our pride. Legalistic religion, Packer said, in all its forms should be avoided like the plague. Amen. <laughs> so, again, we'll talk about this a little bit more next week, but, you know, you know uh, how do you avoid hypocrisy? We want to. We don't want to be hypocrites. That's a prayer. Lord, I don't want to be a hypocrite. Don't me not be a hypocrite. How do we avoid legalism and traditionalism? A lot of it has to do with prayer. You know, in your prayer life, pray for soft hearts receptive to the teaching of Scripture. You don't want hard hearts like the Pharisees. And pray for teachable attitudes. I know many of you have that already, but pray that you would always be teachable according to the word, open to the truths of Scripture, receptive to the truth. And so those are some things you can do to avoid hypocrisy and and legalism. But I want to end uh, with two verses that really help us fight traditionalism and legalism. I mean, in summer, you could say the best way to fight traditionalism, legalism, and hypocrisy is with the gospel. 
So I want to end with these verses to help us fight traditionalism, legalism, hypocrisy. First of all, Matthew 11, Jesus says this, Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And Jesus then said, Take my yoke upon you and let me teach you, for my yoke is easy and the burden I give you is light. Legalism and traditionalism is a heavy load to bear which gives you no rest. I don't know if uh, any of you are here, but I've talked to Christians who grew up in a very legalist tradition, and it's a heavy load to bear. But remember what Jesus says, his yoke is easy, and his burden is light. It's not heavy and harsh, and he gives rest. So that's the Matthew 11 verse to help you fight legalism, traditionalism, and hypocrisy. And then finally, we'll end with Galatians 5. This is a good memory verse for us to fight legalism. Paul says in Galatians 5 verse 1, It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm in it, and don't let yourselves be burdened by a yoke of slavery, like legalism. Let's spend some time in prayer.